All right, let's get this underway. It is episode 61, Racing News. Uh, we are screaming up towards April here, and we'll talk a bit about this later, Kyle, but April to me is the is when the Beast of Narang goes into hibernation. So I'm going to talk a bit about that later because I think there's a time where you could start to get back into Narang and take some crowns, try, create a few new loops and things like that. But that's for later in the podcast. But we've got a big one. Two of the biggest ultras, two of the biggest brand new ultras that we'll have in Southeast Queensland, which into the future will be, I think, will be will be key races for lots of people. Um, Yandina, Noosa Trail. Um, so those two, the Noosa Ultra and the Yandina 5.0. Daisy Hill was round seven. We'll talk a bit about that. Plus the points update from the end of the SEQ series. We'll go into a bit from the Goat Loop. And then Kyle, of course, the big news, I guess, for us is we're, we're down to T-minus two weeks. In exactly two yeah. weeks' time, Kyle will be... I'll be on done. A massa- on a massage table. What are the options? You'll either be at a at a pub celebrating, you'll be on a massage table, you'll hopefully you won't be in a medic tent. Yeah, um, well, that's that would be good. If I can avoid be, that, it's been a successful day. Yep. You'll be maybe going out for a recovery jog just to round the kilometers up if you're a stats man, just to round it up to get the total. Um, it has been done. I've seen people do that in the afternoon. They go out for a walk and 2K. I'd love to see, Kyle, a two kilometer stroll around um, Canberra posted on the Strava. Not a uh... chance. Not a chance. (laughs) All right. So we are down to two weeks. It is officially two weeks now. So um, the warning sign goes up for anyone who interacts with Kyle over the next two weeks, that athlete in taper, serious athlete in taper. Talk us through, Kyle, the last two weeks because you've had some some bumper sessions, haven't you? Yeah. So that was obviously going to be kind of four weeks to go down to now two weeks ago. But yeah, it's it's gone well. Um, I feel like I'm ready to taper. That was the one thing the last few days. But yeah, last week we did a couple of sessions. So Tuesday's one was just, we did a two minute on, one minute off. Um, and we did 12 of them. Yep. So it was a, a random number. I kind of, some people will do this closer to an hour's worth of this, but I was like, ah, oh, it's a bit too long. We'll bring that back down a little bit. So we did 12 reps of that. And that was just Luke and I that day. I think I'm not sure where everyone was that day, but it was just the two of us. So that was, we were running along and it was kind of like, oh, it's like the good old days when it was just Luke and I before our group had grown. <laughs> so it was, it was quite weird, just the two of us running again, but we had a good run um, on that day and then kind of jogged the next couple of days. And then on the Friday, we did a 45 minute progression. And this is one of those runs where I thought, oh, I reckon this is going to go pretty well. Like, you know, this, this should feel okay. So the plan was to do like fifth breakdown into three 15 minute parts I wanted to do the first 15 minute just slower than marathon pace. So I averaged 339s. Then the goal was to build it into around marathon pace around 332s. And then I wanted to try and pick it up for the last 15 minutes. Mm. And on paper, I thought, yeah, I'll be able to do that. That should be okay. And then when I got to about you know 25 minutes into this 45 minutes, I went, oh, I don't know about this pickup idea for this last 15 minutes, but I managed to run 327s for the last 15. Nice. And it was one of those runs where, I finished and I felt quite controlled that last 15. Like it was hard, but I was okay. And then I kind of stopped and I was like, oh, I kind of feel like I could throw up right now. And I don't know if it was something <laughs> that I'd eaten before the run. I didn't, but it was just this odd sensation. I don't normally feel like that. So that was a good one. That was a weird finish to it, but I felt fine with about two minutes later. Um, so that was a good kind of another good session we had on the Friday. And then on, I actually had Saturday off um, knowing that we had, we were doing 36Ks on Sunday. So I took the Saturday off just because, Thought may as well have a have a rest day, make sure I'm fresh for fresh for that long run. And we did mm. a loop kind of from out from Pacific Pines out around like Cope Island, out through Paradise Point, 
kind of back through Parkwood there. So we get some rolling hills at the start, some rolling hills at the end. And yeah, we kind of got rolling towards the end and everyone had a really good run. So we did 36K. I think we averaged about 420. It's just over two and a half hours. And that was a that was a good confidence boost, that one, because I kind of finished that and felt like I could have kept going for another you know, half an hour, an hour if I really had to. So that was a, a very good run, that one. That was a very nice confidence boost. So at that point, we got three weeks to go. So it's kind of starting to taper down a little bit from there. We we're still the plan was still to do a couple of sessions this week, but a slightly shorter long run. So that was kind of the end of the really big progressions of sessions and whatnot. So then this week we did on the Tuesday four by six minutes. Um and Luke and I did this one. It was just the two of us again for this one. And this was a good one because we kind of went a little bit easier the first two. We didn't really push things too hard. And then we kind of finished fairly strong in the in the last two. So I think we ran Looking here, 325, 323, 319, and 318 were our four six-minute reps. Um, yep. And I felt like we were moving well in that one. It's a nice length rep where it's it's not so short that you feel like you need to be running really fast, but it's also not too long where you feel like you're kind of waiting for it to finish. Yep. Um, so that was a good one. That was a good kind of confidence-boosting session. I felt really good. Um, Wednesday, just did Wednesday walkers. And then third, uh, Wednesday night, we normally kind of a few of us will message and work out what runs we're going to do. Um, and then... I got a couple of messages that I think Luke was working down south, so he couldn't run. Um, I don't think Chris could make it. There was a couple of others that couldn't. I think Costa was having the day off. So it's just going to be Marty and I. And I thought, all right, we'll go for a jog. We'll do an easy hour. And then I reckon I rolled over and looked at my phone. It was about two minutes before my alarm was about to go off. And a message popped up from Marty saying, oh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to make it this morning. And I reckon within two seconds, I thought, oh, how good. No worries, mate. And then I turned my alarm off and went back to bed for a couple of hours yeah. and took Thursday off, which was lovely. So I t- wow. took the chance to to have a sleep in and just relax. I felt like I could have run, but I was just like happy to have a happy to have a day off, which was nice. So I took another day off there. And then Friday was going to be our kind of last big session. Mm-hmm. And this was one that another one where I, I wrote it down and thought, oh, this, this shouldn't be too bad. This will be tough, but this should be a good one. So the plan was for us to do kind of a longer progression first so we the plan was we did 5k warm-up and then we did 12k but the first 6k was slower than marathon pace and then the last 6k was around that kind of marathon pace and then we're going to jog a k and then do two by 2k like hard harder than marathon pace but just depending on how we felt um we were going to do that so the annoying thing was the weather had been really nice kind of like tuesday Mm. wednesday i don't know what thursday was like because i slept in but tuesday wednesday was really nice and I thought, oh, if it could be like this on Friday, we're going to be we're going to be laughing here. This is going to be good. And then it kind of went back to that kind of hot, humid morning again. And yeah. this was one of those sessions that was just an absolute grind the whole way. I can first like two k felt good, and then I went, oh, I feel like I'm working a little bit harder than I should here. But yeah, you know, it's the last session. Let's just get it done. So I ended up hitting kind of the splits I wanted for the twelve k. We did the first six in three forty one, the second six in three thirty two. And I remember I got to that second six and I was like, oh, I kind of wish we were just finishing at the end of this six. Like I'm I'm working a little bit hard here. And I reckon mm. with about two or two and a half Ks to go, that's when Luke kind of pulled away from me and he said he was feeling really good. And it was quite nice seeing him actually run off for the first time. I feel like all these yeah. sessions he always said, he always laughs that it's me running off on him. So it was nice to see him kind of in this last big session have one of those sessions where he just obviously felt really good and, and got to run off the front and and drop me, which was nice. It was actually mm. good, to see him, good to see him do that before Canberra. So... We had a good 12K there and then we jogged a K and then Luke, because obviously this was a long session and he still had to go to work early, said he's only going to get time to do one 2K rep. And as soon as he said that, I thought, oh, that sounds awfully, awfully nice just to be doing one of these because I was pretty work, pretty wrecked at the end of that. 
And then I said, okay, I'll see how I feel. I'll do this one with you and then we'll just see how we're going. So then we did the next, we did that 2K hard. And I reckon once I started, I knew, okay, I'm just going to do one 2K rep here. I'm, I'm going to be done after this. So I did a yeah. 2K rep in 319s. And I reckon I finished that. And I remember running that last probably like 500 meters and just thinking, okay, I've got everything I need out of this session. Like I don't need any more out of this. I'm, I'm done here at this point. I just don't need to do that last 2K. Mm. Um, so I called that session there. I think Costa got through and did his, his last 2K after that. Um, but yeah, I pulled that one a little bit short just because I reckon if I'd tried to push that last 2K, it was just, I would have absolutely burnt myself out and felt absolutely rubbish. So yeah, I kind of pulled it a little bit short, which, you know, I feel like in most of these big lead ups, everyone always says you have some of your worst sessions close to the race. And not that that was a bad one, but that was one I was like, damn, I didn't, that's the first one I probably haven't hit the session that I yeah. wanted to hit. Um, but yeah, I felt like I got just as much out of it as what I wanted to, if it was, you know, nice conditions and we'd run the full session. So that ended up being a decent run for a, for a Friday morning, which was good. Um, but I reckon after that one, I could tell that my legs were just a little bit fatigued, a little bit tired. So I thought I need to just you know, take it easy now. We just got to get through an easier mm. run the next day and then a shorter long run today. So yesterday I just jogged 10K and took it very easy. And then today we did uh, 28Ks and yeah, it felt good. We were just down near the beach. So it was relatively flat. It was a nice kind of misty and drizzly morning with a bit of rain around. So it felt a little bit cooler than normal, which was nice. And yeah, got 28Ks done, just under 4.30s in the end. And yeah, two weeks to go now. <clears throat> That's a very big two weeks, isn't it? So uh, a couple of questions. So what what made you drop off and and when Luke actually went away from you? Was it was it he went faster than the times you were thinking? Was it you weren't feeling it and you slowed down? Or was it a case of you went, you know what, I could push here if I really wanted to. If I wanted to go with him, I could push, but it would potentially do some damage. Yeah, I'd kind of, in my head, I reckon when I was running that first 6k i kind of thought in my head like oh even if i can hold somewhere between 333 and 335 for this second 6ks i'll be okay with that and then we kind of started running and we're down around that 332s and i probably just stayed at 332s and luke probably just dropped a couple of seconds a k in yep. that last couple of k's um which like i said that's something i probably normally would do as well if i was feeling pretty good i'd probably just get rolling a little bit at the end of that rep so he was having one of those runs where he just obviously felt good and i was able to keep rolling but i kind of said to myself if I tried to push and put, I wouldn't have got through any of those 2K reps if I tried to close that gap. And again, that wasn't the purpose of it to, to hit a really particular split. It was kind of off effort. So if I was having one of those runs where just, you know, it didn't feel like it was just flowing really nicely. I just held it back a little bit and not yeah. absolutely bury myself because I knew that that, was, that wasn't the end of the session. I think had that been the end of the session, that was just that 12K and that was it, um, I would have pushed a little bit harder in that one. But again, that wasn't the purpose of it to, to really hurt. I wanted to finish and still feel relatively controlled like i could have kept running so yeah yeah that was just me trying to trying to be smart with it well yeah fair enough uh and shoes uh, you and lukey were chatting a little bit about uh shoes that you felt good in and ones that you've you don't think you're going to feel good in then all of a sudden at the end of the session you're quite happy with so have you settled on a pair of shoes that you're going to do race day in is that all set yeah so i've i'll be i've been in the alpha flyers that's been my race shoe for the longest stuff the last couple of years and i'm definitely going with that i don't know what luke's going to go with because he's been doing sessions in both the, the vapor flies and the alpha flyers so i don't know if he's 100 set on that because yeah he always says every time he runs he thinks it'll be the alpha flies and he runs back in the the next percent and feels really good in those as well so i think he's probably more 50 50 than i am but i'll i'll definitely go the alpha flies for me because did you used, to, you used to prefer the vape the next percent i still for I, shorter stuff i do like for park runs and the 5k i'd probably still wear them um, yep. but for the longer stuff, I've always won the, 
always want the alpha flies. I just feel like they give me, I'm just more efficient running in them when I'm fatigued. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas when I'm fresh and trying to run quickly, the next percent are really good. But yeah, that's just my and, preference. And last question, you said you were close to vomiting at the end of a session. So when have, have you vomited at the end of a session? And if so, when was the last one that you did? No, never. I've never, never. even felt like vomiting in my life running ever. Really? So that was the first time I finished. I went, oh, I feel a little bit sick. And that only lasted about 10 seconds and I was fine. But yeah, I've never... That's the closest so, I've ever come in my life to throwing up from running. So, what the, I mean, this is interesting because this is this is what I think for me pushes me to my limit. In so let's talk park run for example. In that last one kilometer, when you're pushing really hard to the line, what is it that is actually hurting for you? What's holding you back in that in that last? Uh, it's probably just like for me, it just feels like it's like that lactic buildup. My, my legs can't turn over any faster. Generally, my heart—I can tell that my heart rate is maxing out. Like it's not a. It's just I feel like that's as fast as my bodies can go at that point. Like I can push as hard as I want. And generally by then my heart rate's maxing out. Like I just can't push any harder. And then it's just that lactic buildup. And it's so, just trying to time it so that I don't collapse before the collapse before the finish line. So there's no nausea. There's no sickness. There's no oh, I'm about to vomit. No, I've never wow. felt anything. Stomach. I've never had issues with that. It's always just been kind of like this is just as hard as I can go. Like my breathing picks, I can tell my heart rate's high. Like it's generally kind of like my heart rate starts to hit, you know, if I'm hitting 200 at the end of a park run, like I don't have much more room to go. And there's only so long I can hang on to a heart rate of like my max heart rate for. I kind of got a minute or two once I get to that point and that's just lactic buildup and heart rate high and hitting the limits. It's just that that kind of then limits me, not not gut issues, which is nice. Because, yeah, See, I prefer I, that than growing up everywhere every session. Well, I'd be I'd be fascinated to know this from people listening, like, like what they experienced in that last say five, 800 a kilometer, because for me, like it's a hundred percent gut. It's a hundred percent vomiting. And I don't, I don't know if this comes back from, you know, 25 years ago because, or, or whether it's just part of my makeup. I, I don't know what holds people back because I'm pretty much at the end of any shorter race or workout. I'm on the edge. I could, I could pretty much vomit most of the times at the end of the session, but I don't know if this is a condition thing because in high school, when I was a track runner, we'd push to vomit and, and we had a high school, I had a high school coach who, you'd vomit at the end of a session most of the time. And again, but I don't know if that was because I was eating porridge, you know, at home and then, and then, and then got to do a big track workout probably because you're just trying to fuel yourself for the day because, you know, you know, in the nineties, there was no sort of science behind it. You just ate a big breakfast, went and trained, had some more breakfast and then went to class. But we would regularly vomit on the side of a track if we're doing 400s or 800s or 600s or whatever. So I don't know if it's just a condition thing that I've got or whether this is something other people experience because I get to I get to three point eight four kilometers of a park run, and I'm pushing hard, and your legs are hurting, and you're breathing heavy. But I am on the edge of nausea. Like the amount of times I've got to the I've got to the end of park runs, and it hasn't been a particularly flat out park run. But even if I've run thirty seconds slower than my best, I'll have to walk away from the people who are handing out the tabs because I think I don't know if I'm going to vomit here, and I've actually got to consciously. For shorter races, I've got to consciously say to myself when I cross the finish line, okay, just control, control, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, because I don't, don't want to vomit on the floor. So Interesting. I don't, that is interesting because, I I, like I said, that's never something I've experienced. I've seen people, it happened to people, thought, oh, they must be working hard. But for me, it's all it's all breathing in my legs. It's nothing to do with, which is interesting. Yeah, interesting and, but I, I, I don't know if it is a, a, a physical thing or whether it's just a mental thing because – you know, at different stages, even in longer races and marathons and things like that, I felt it coming. And so I don't, I don't know where it comes from. I'd be interested to know if it happens to other amateur runners. Um, obviously, you see it happen to professionals sometimes, but I think they're probably pushing to the point of 
exhaustion at the point of point of vomit. So, uh, well, with Kyle, we've got to get you there somewhere. We've got to get you to that particular stage. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm. I'll, well, I'll let you know at Canberra if I'm throwing up with a kilometre to go and I'm trying to sprint no, down this finish I, area. I'll, I'll let you know. I think we can do it's it. Because it's funny because when I've I reckon I'd like when I've done like track stuff and done some short like four hundred, six, eight hundred that stuff. I've never had that feeling. Like again, it's just breathing that tends to limit yeah. me on those. It's just my breathing. I just can't get that under control when the lactic builds up. My legs just can't go any quicker. So I don't know. I feel like I'd probably be more likely in getting my nutrition wrong in an ultra would potentially be my yeah. downfall when it comes to that. But yeah, we will find out. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Oh, I, I, I understand 100% how it happens in longer races or ultra races where you've taken the wrong stuff or you've taken on too much fluid. That makes sense to me, but it's it doesn't. I don't understand why it happens in like a... 2k 3k 5k you know race where you go there's really there's no real you know reason for it like i've got nothing it makes me think it's got to be the food yeah well it, but I, I don't know maybe that just is, that's your body's response to hitting that that point well that's, that's its way of saying if stop. Honestly. <laughs> i don't know i don't know, I don't know. I'll have to talk I to someone prefer, that knows knows that stuff better than us i think i prefer lactic acid in my legs than than yeah, well, I do. stomach stomach <laughs> nausea i, I agree that. we'll find out people let it let us know anyway um all right, so I think yeah, the tapering over the next two weeks for you then is going to be is crucial, and I think that's something we can definitely talk in more depth about because we have uh, on the podcast we've talked about it and we've talked about it with some guests that we've had about the pitfalls and the dangers that people go into with their taper, um, mm-hmm. whether people get are getting the most out of their taper, whether they're you know how does the mental game come into it, how does the physical game come into it, are amateur athletes resting enough. Um, you know, a great post, I think, from Adzi Gordon in the week about the importance of resting again for for amateurs. And, um, yeah, I think we can explore that in a bit more detail. But in two weeks, Kyle, when we record this podcast, you'll be relaxing with a, I will a, be. With a I 220, will be. 228.50 uh, around your neck, I think. <laughs> take that. Definitely. I, I would 100% take that. We will Two. see. 228.50, that's what I'm going to go with. And I haven't okay. put too much thought into that. I'm just that to pluck it out of air, but... You know my success rate in marathon calling. It's it's unparalleled, mm. I'd say. <laughs> All right. Let's move from the road and from training to some events. So, um, well, Kyle, I'll go into this one because the Andina was yesterday morning. Yeah, and was... I've, I said to you before we came on here, I haven't asked you anything about your race yep. yesterday. I haven't spoken to you about it. So I'm oh, intrigued to hear how the race. I'll, I'll, well, I'll, it's more of how my day went. Rather, the, the, the idea of calling it a race, in inverted commas, might be, might be more... Um, um, more accurate but it, look, look the, let's go with the event first of all I mean I didn't get up there till late on a Friday because coming from Coomera and going all the way up to Yendina uh, we had that terrific storm that sort of followed us the whole way up to the Sunshine Coast I don't um, Simon said that they didn't get any on Friday which was good because you know the course was tough enough and without you know without water and and rivers and creek crossings and things like that um, if they got a lot of a lot of rain it probably would have made it a lot different and I could only imagine what this thing looked like Two three weeks ago, it would have been a vastly different, a different race. Um, but the the so I turned up Saturday morning to Torella Brewery where it was being held, and what an extraordinary setup it was! It was one of those ones where you see these ones overseas where it's set up, you know, at a brewery or a, a local place where shops are, and pretty much the race starts from there, and bang, out it goes, and you come back. And to be able to sit there afterwards and watch the 50ks come in, and be able to go and get some food, and they had food trucks and things like that. It was a wonderful setup, and and one I think they've. You know, to Simon and Brett and the team at Run Queensland, they've done an extraordinary job, even just getting the stakeholders to get this course happening because you do run through that bit of private property to start with and then you're out um, 
into the sort of national park. So, yeah, look, the course um, definitely would have suffered over the last few weeks with the rain, and it was it was as tough going underfoot as you could possibly can imagine. And I can only describe it to people as and to say, think about the rockiness of Narang at the moment, and that's what you what we ran twenty one kilometers in. Um, you start, so you left the brewery and you did a bit of a loop of the brewery. Brett took everyone out. So Brett ran, I think, the quickest couple of 300, 400-metre runs he's ever run because um, in the 21K, he had Brian Wilder hot on his heels pretty much straight away. So we ran around the brewery, down this sort of service road, which was full of potholes um, and very bumpy underfoot and a bit sludgy and a bit muddy. So that was interesting because you're going quite quick in that first kilometre, dead flat, um, through a couple of creek beds then. Uh, so the, the the creek beds had about you know, a, a foot of water in it, maybe maybe less than. Um, so just a bit rocky to get through. Then you went sort of through the private property and then you went out and you were into the National Park area. Um, and I think, Kyle, when I looked at my watch at the top of the climb where the lookout was, which was at about 10 and something kilometres, I had 530 metres of elevation mm-hmm. in the first 10 kilometres. Um, and even that was, you know, there was a couple of kilometres at the start where there was almost nothing. So the climb up to the very top, it made the first 10 kilometres really, really tough. Um, I'm pretty unfit at the moment, but even I was looking at some of the climbs thinking, wow, that's that's tough going, that's hard going. And it was interesting actually to compare the 50K segments because they made a couple of segments on Strava, the 50K times and the 21K times just to see how those sort of races compared. Um, you got to the top, there was the checkpoint there, so I just refilled with water. And then you pretty much knew if you looked at the, the profile that you were the next... 10 or 11 kilometers you were almost downhill into the finish and so we left this checkpoint and they took us out on this service road now the service road was the most flat manicured service road you've ever seen so i mean i put in a low four minute kilometer but i think brian wilder said he was down in the mid threes at that stage when he was running on that part so for about a kilometer and a half you had this beautiful downhill like those trails you see around off the highway near beerborough and those kind of places where it's just beautiful he had it for a kilometre and a half. And I'm sitting there thinking, if we've got 10K of this, this is going to be a stunning finish to this race. And all of a sudden in front of us, there was a, a left-hand arrow and it took us off this and it took us onto the, you know, a pretty rocky, gravelly, you know, uneven surface. And for the next seven, eight kilometres, it was like like what the last Hilda Gate is at Narang at the moment. It used to be nice, but now it's just tough going. And so... We had a 40 to 50 minute downhill section where you were watching every single step because a little bit of misconcentration and you would have been over. Um, The shoes of my choice were probably not the greatest. I looked at it and went 21K, uh, a bit like in the Raw last year. I wear the, um, what they call the RKTs, the North Face ones. So there's almost nothing underfoot. And for the first 13K, beautiful. And then as soon as we started that descent, my feet were getting just torn to bits. You know, there were rocks, there were gravel, there were all sorts of things popping up underneath. Um, and then we came out down the bottom, a couple more creek crossings. So the way that we went out is the way that we came in for a couple of kilometres. Um, and, yeah, a few creek crossings, but a marvellous course, really good, tough, very, very tough. I mean, we only had, I think we had 700 metres in 21 kilometres. So it doesn't sound much, but so as I said, 500-odd meters of that was in the first 10 kilometers and then even the descent because you're hoping you're going to get you're going to get a buyback when you come down that hill you're hoping i can make up the time here and i'm going to be able to roll in but it wasn't you had to really concentrate coming down that hill and mm-hmm. um again you you look at some of the times from the 21 kilometers coming down there and they're relatively quick but they're not 
you know, they're not un unleashing like you would expect when you look at the actual elevation profile, you would expect people to be going a lot faster, but it was just the technicality of it. Um, the 50K didn't do that. They went out a bit further onto a bit of the black hole course, I think, and then they joined back in with six or seven kilometres to go. Um, but the creek crossings were tough because you actually descended, a, like in and out of each creek, you descended, you know, a nice sort of steep sort of 20 or 30 metres into a creek bed. You went across the creek bed, then you had to come up that. So um, it was tough going. I, I, I've seen the post that people put afterwards that it was, they think tougher than black or far tougher. It was a hot day as well. I mean, when I got to the top at that 10 kilometers, I was drenched from head to toe. Like I'd already been through my, my 500 meter Salomon bottle. I probably should have taken more, but, um, and then by the time I came back down, I'd finished that again. So I went through a liter of fluid easily in probably 15, 16 kilometers. Um, but a really good course. Um, I don't think it's a quick course. I don't know what it would be like if they, if they graded it, maybe I'd, you, you know, you don't know if they could grade it. It would be a lot quicker, obviously. Um, certainly not as easy and as runnable as, you know, the Blackall part that I saw last year, but what people have told me about Blackall, um, a lot more like Narang. A lot people who run in Narang, you would have recognised the brutality of, of it underfoot. But I did see some of the photos from the 50 kilometres and they looked like the section that they did further out was a lot nicer than, you know, what the 21 and a bit of the 50 had to do. Um, but, yeah. Great, great event. I think it's definitely one to stay. Um, I don't, as I said, at this time of year, you, you're either going to get a scorching hot day, which was, which is what we got. I think it was up to sort of 27, 28 degrees by the time the 50k people were finishing. I don't think you're going to get that cold. You might get a cold snap one year, which would make it very, very quick. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a battle every single year. So, got some results here, Kyle. There's my overview. As I said, I, I, like I managed it. to. I managed to drag myself into seventh. I got up to fifth at one stage um, and then seventh at the top. Um, then by the time we got down the bottom, I was still seventh. The guy who finished eighth was pretty much right next to me and I let him go past as we went through one of the creek beds because I, I thought, you know, he's done the work. I'll let you go past me. And then uh, I managed to get him with a couple of K to go, which was nice. So, um, yeah, came in, came into the finish line, um, recovered, had a bit of food, had a bit of, uh, a few drinks and things like that. But, again, a great... Um, Finishing token. I don't know. Have you seen the the sort of the big beer, you know, the things that you fill the beer up with? They had like a pint glass for the 12 and then a slightly bigger bottle for the 21. Oh, nice. um, and then the 50K got a really big one litre or maybe it was even more than that. But, yeah, so, so again, wonderful tokens. That's what Run Queensland do well, don't they? The finishing prizes, they're kind of going on a different tangent to simply giving you a medal. So we got a shirt as well. We got an excellent headband, Kyle. It's it's yellow. I saw white a few of the headbands. Yeah. That's got to be part of the North gear, I think, for for future races. Perfect North colour. So well done, Simon, for the uh, for the North kit there. Um, but yeah, great race, Kyle. I think I think one to put on your your bucket list for when you move from trail to from from road to trail in the next decade when you start to slow up a bit and you can make the, the jump across. <laughs> so, Kyle, I'll go through the uh, I'll go through the twelve and the twenty one, and then if you want to go through the fifty, because I've got a couple of stories sure. about the fifty as well, which yeah, which will be of interesting. Hearing. So the 12 kilometres, uh, in the female, we third place we had um, Alexandra Summers in 121. Now, Lucy Bowden and Emily Rob Roberts, 119.44, 119.45. I think I glanced across when I saw those two come across the line. So um, they pretty much run the whole race together, but there's got to be a first and a second. So Emily takes first, Lucy takes second. Um, in the males, again, it looks like we've got a tie for third. Bruce Johnson, Robert Harris, 123.01. 
Raymond Edwards won 12 and Shane Mitchell in 110 for the win there. Now in the in the um in the 21, the results online actually show a female in I was just about overall. to ask that when you were talking about your seventh place. Yeah. And then it's has you at that, eighth. So no, what that's happened I'm there? seventh. I'm seventh. And it's oh, it's an I don't anomaly. Know about that. It Have, is just what the results <laughs> say, though. Well, I always say that. When we're 70 and we're, you know, 70 or 80 and when we can't remember these races, we'll simply go to the results page. That's right. This is going to this is gonna backfire on me. But look at her race bib number, Kyle. You see it's different to everyone else's? That lady is in the 12-kilometer race. Uh, see that? Well, I don't know. Yep. I'm just looking at the results. <laughs> because Maybe the photos there. there. Just have a look at the results one day and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he got checked. place yep. for Tom. Um, I must admit, when I got home, I was like, I can't remember a female going part. Maybe she went ahead of me at the start. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure I know what happened. So uh, the female, the official results as I see them, Emma Burgess, 213, Tegan Porter, 208, and Belinda Murray gets the win in 207. Um, now in the male race, um, Matt Nauter, I'd probably pronounce his last name. He was actually with me, Kyle, at about six kilometres when we started the climb. So he's come through really well. He's come from about you know, seventh or eighth place there and taken uh, taken the podium, 153. Casey Munro, 145. And Brian Wilder, 139. He had that race sewn up from, I reckon, 180 metres into it. Um, I did I did see him say to Casey at the start, I said, it, he said, Casey, have you got a race for me today? And Casey said, oh, I don't think it's happening today. And Brian had a bit of a look of disappointment. So I think they kind of knew early on. So Brian Wilder, 139. I had a good chat to Brian at the end of it. Um, about his just the racing that he's done. Have a listen to these results, Kyle, from from what he's done so far. These are the ones that I just found today. He said to me he's raced 17 times since September or something like that. No one's racing more than Brian at the moment. Mm, he's been like doing everything at the moment. Yeah, a bit like Sean Lyons, Sean Lyons a couple of years back when he was just turning up at everything. So first at Yendina, 21K. First at the In the Raw, 25K. Second at Hinsdam, short course, Second at Bunyaville, short course. First at BUR at night in the 10 kilometres. And, of course, at the end of last year, he got four firsts in a row in the SEQ races, um, you know, at Namambara and Nogra and all those kind of things. So he is seems to be at every single race um, in the shorter distances. So that's where I think as a potential of a head-to-head, we, we do like to, to ask for head-to-heads. And I think Brian Wilder versus Jack Gill head-to-head would be very interesting, certainly, because... You know, Jack's done so well, obviously, in the long course races, but the long course races are similar to what Yandina and in the Raw have been. So I'd love to see a, a Jack Gill versus Brian Wilder. Brian's not on Strava, um, so he's not on any of the segments yesterday. And I, and I was trying to tell him a little bit about the goat loop on the Gold Coast, and he looked, he looked a bit perplexed when I was telling him. You know, when you start telling someone about a loop and the enthusiasm that you have isn't equally matched by the person hearing it. Mm, um, I can imagine. But I did try and convince him to get on Strava and have a look at that loop, so... Where do you think what do you, what do you think he'd do? Do you think 28? 20, 28? Yeah. I think he'd, he'd yeah. have to be there. Yeah, yeah. Mate, yeah. Definitely, Once he'd had a definitely. couple of couple of shots, it maybe a bit quicker. It's not quicker. Um so yeah, so Brian, he's dominating everything. And as I said, I'd, I'd love to see Brian take on Jack at some stage over that sort of 20k distance, I think would be would be a great battle. But Kyle, go through the um 50k results for me. And then I've just got a couple of little stories. Um Mostly around the finish line, as as interest would be. Mm, yeah, I like so it. Tell tell us tell us about the results. Yeah. Well, I was in, I was trying to somewhat keep track of these live splits. I was at work yesterday, so I couldn't really see much. But if I ever got a chance to quickly look at my phone for a minute, 
I was somewhat trying to keep up to date with these things. And I kind of was looking early on that looked like there was kind of a, a lead pack of a few guys that had gone out reasonably close together. And, and Jack was in that. So I was like, interested to see how he went. And he looked like he just kind of sat back a little bit. Um, so I was obviously very interested to follow and, and see how that finished. And I think there's yeah. some stories about the finish of that, but I'll go through the the females first. Um, and I think we all kind of going into this, we probably thought Risha was going to be the favorite to win this. It was just how fast was she going to run? Um, yeah. How close to overall winning would she be as she normally is? Um, but I'll go through the, the placings first. So Robin Bennett was third. This was her first ultra, I believe, in 5.19.44. Wow. That's then we'll good... go, wow. yeah, very, very impressive. Because um, I think she was podium in the raw after taking that wrong turn. So she's had a good couple of weeks. Um, Helen Greenfield was second, 5.09.55. And kind of as predicted, Risha Lewis took out the win in 4.45.28. And she yep. was fifth across the line overall. So 4.45 on a hilly trail 50K is absolutely lightning quick from Risha. Mm-hmm. So that's extremely, extremely impressive. Um, and I'm sure we can go and chat about that a bit more, but I'll go through the guys first. So this is where it gets interesting, and I'm sure there's some stories there. But I, when I was waiting for the results to come through, I could see that Jack had been in second place for the majority of the second half. Mm. And then I was looking at the results and I saw that uh, Samuel Stowe, who had been leading pretty much the whole day, took out the win in 4.31.36. Um, that's a really impressive run on that course, four and a half hours over a, a hilly 50K from what sounds to be quite technical in spots as well. Um, yep. And then I was kind of waiting to see what happened here. And I looked on and Robin Stead ran 4.41.29, Jack Gill 4.41.36. And as soon as I saw this, I go, I need to know the story behind this. Did, <laughs> did Jack get passed in the last little bit? Did Robin pass Jack and then Jack was trying to catch him or I had no idea what was going on. So that was the, that was the podium. So Jack in third, Robin second and Samuel in first. But yes, Tom, give yeah. me some stories because obviously I wasn't able to be there. Yep. Give me the details. Well, first of all, in the female one. So so to, to I guess to make a, a parallel between Yandina 5.0 and Blackall, because that's what the talk has been about. You know, how do you compare the two? 50Ks. If you look at Helen Greenfield, there's 509 on Yandina 5.0. She actually won the Black Hole 50 last year. So she did 5.17. So you're looking at a race in March and you're looking at a race in October. I guess similar types of distance from the colder months. Very similar terrain, uh, very similar elevation, about 1,600, 1,700 metres. So you can see Helen's gone quicker there. Now, whether Helen's a better athlete six months on from Black Hole, who knows? But you could say roughly the times are pretty similar. Um, and if you look like Luke Davison won the um, the 50 at Blackhall in 4.44 and Sam Stowe's gone and won in 4.31. So it looks to be a little bit quicker, a tiny little bit quicker than than Blackhall. But uh, a couple of stories. So reached across the line and and in 4.45, but then continued through the finishing arch around past where they were handing out the, um, the prizes and things like that. And then just did a bit of a loop of the grass area herself because I think her, her watch has come up as... 49.7. So oh, no. as she came through, I heard her say, oh, no, I need 50. So I just took off and so did an extra three or 400 metres to round up to the 50. So that's why Reishas will probably look a little bit different to what was on Strava. But again, Kyle, if you look if you look at the overall leaderboard, you know, Risha comes in at fifth place overall. Is that right? Yeah, Sam, Robin, Jack, Luke, Risha. Um so it goes past David Room, Andrew Pierce, Sam, Jack, Joey, all those guys. And by all accounts, all of those guys remember Risha going past her, so past them. 
So again, Risha has just been eating up and just following these lead men and just hunting them down as she always does. And you'd have to ask again, like how how much longer does this race need before she get? I mean, it'd take a while for her to catch Sam, but to get past Jack and to get past Robin, you know, like well, what the gap was what four minutes, three and a half, four minutes, or whatever it was. Yeah, you can't imagine too much longer. And I, I think the gap. I'm, I'm just see. So checkpoint one. So Risha got to it in one oh eight. So she got to that in checkpoint one. If you look at say Jack's time, he got there in one oh two. So at at the eleven kilometer mark, she's six minutes behind, and yet finishes. You know what is that? What is the difference? Four, three and a half to four minutes. So she is racing. Her, her way of racing is obviously very successful for her. Um, now, when Risha, I don't know what she's decided to do at UTA, but I, I always say whatever the whatever the watch reads at the end of the race, I'm I'm more than happy. Yeah, I'm let me tell you what. To, if I get to Canberra it. finish line in two weeks' time and my watch says forty two point one, I am stopping right on that yep. finish line. That's not right. a chance I'm running through <laughs> past that. Not a chance. Yeah, but yeah. So well done, well done, Risha, and to Helen and to Robin. That's as you said, Robin's first ultra run five nineteen on that course is is exceptional. And Helen's obviously in good form again, but yeah, the the mail race. So we we got updates that, uh, and I, d- I don't know where the updates were coming, but it sounded like um, Sam was in the lead. At one stage, I heard that Sam and Jack were together, but Jack tells me later that wasn't the case. His understanding was kind of the Sam went ahead, put enough of a lead, and then there was kind of a, a group that followed him. Uh, and Jack said that he was in second place for most of the race. But as you come into the finish, uh, you descend into one of those, as I said, those creek beds where you drop down, maybe two meters you know two or three meters down to the creek bed the creek bed wasn't a straight from point a to point b you sort of had to go to your left and then veer back to your right and then up a bit of a dirty sort of you know one or two meters and then you came up um and jack said that as he approached that creek bed he had a little bit of a lead on robin but went into the creek bed and there was a couple of walkers from either the 21 or the 12 i'm not too sure um so he had to kind of step around them and as he did i think he said he sort of tripped on one of the rocks and his hamstring just cramped bang and so down he down he went into the creek bed, and I think one of the um, one of the guys, one of the walkers, actually you know went to help him up. And as Jack was getting up from the creek bed, Robin's just gone straight past him through the creek bed and out. And so Robin then went from from third to second, and then from there you had pretty much like a a three hundred meter run along the trees, and then you turned right, and then you had a really long I guess it was about a kilometer where you ran as I said through that cow paddock with tire tracks are going through the cow paddock lots of potholes again as i said from the start and then you came into the finish so we looked up and we saw robin running and then behind robin you just saw this figure like jack runs pretty upright most of the time but he was hunched forward leaning forward giving everything he possibly could sprinting as hard as he could but just ran out of time and ran out of meters and and robin beat him by seven seconds and jack's face at the finish line was just oh can you believe that happened that's not what you want is it at the end of a 50 you don't want you don't want to fall in a creek bed, and B then you don't want to be in a sprint finish, and you know over seven seconds. So um, Robin's just taking his chance. He's done well there. Just just wait for the moment. Just, I can I can picture Michael Shelley running past Callum Hawkins at the Commonwealth <laughs> yeah. Games on the Sundale Bridge. I can just see visions of it. Jack Lyon in the creek. So what would have been fascinating was had those twelve k or twenty one k people whoever they were doing had they not been there and Jack was in the creek bed. What's Robin's obligation then? Do you is is there any obligation Hurdle at that stage? Straight over the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, 
so that was a, that was a bit of a highlight to watch. It's never good to see two people sprinting at the end of a fifty. But no. you know, when when you hear the story behind it, you go, "Well, that's that's a, a good pretty story. tough. It's, it's a, a pretty story. tough way. It's a pretty tough way to finish a fifty. Um, but Sam, you know, to ten minutes over that kind of a field, and if you look at the if you look at the other people in the race, there were some very good times on that course. You know. Luke Davison, as we said, he was a black all winner. What did I say? He run black all in 444. So he's run 443. Dave Vroom, 453. Andrew Pierce, 454. Um, you know, Joey Campbell, 503. Ian Stuck, 504. Um, so some excellent times there from, from lots of different peoples. And if you look down to where Robin and Michael Spence are into 20th, so top 20 in 521, that's that's a good challenging field to go to have to come 20th place and, and run 521 on a, on a course which was challenging underfoot i think that's that shows that a lot of people have jumped on this um but i do want to draw your attention kyle to 21st place overall jack day and possibly what i would say was the highlight of the day uh and did you catch any video of this kyle no i have not seen a video of this so a couple of weeks ago jack day sent me a a picture of what i can only be described you know how when they when they do photos it's like a4 then it's a3 a2 o1 and then i think there's an a0 so a0 is basically is almost a life size so he'd been to office works and got a life oh, is size this where this came from yeah he got a life size picture of jack gill at an seq race blown up and then had given it to his girlfriend and so as everyone's in the recovery zone and under one of the red bull tents chilling out overcomes um this young lady with a, a big poster and a whiteboard marker and I'm watching it right now. I've just yeah, and, and knelt <laughs> knelt down, knelt down in front of Jack and said, I'm your biggest fan. I follow you on Instagram. I just I come to all the races. Can you please sign my post? <laughs> and unrolled it. Oh and it was this God. big life-size picture. And then yeah, gave him the whiteboard marker, uh, wait, the whiteboard pen. And then he proceeded not to sign it. And we said, Well, you know, this is you gotta look after your fans. Um but that poster then continued to do the rounds. I think I saw it with photos. Yeah, of I saw it everywhere. People. This is good. <laughs> did you see where it ended up though? I did. I did see. It was very interestingly. It was on Brad Glover's bedroom wall. <laughs> very fitting place for it to end up too. I think Great so. position. So, well, I don't know, Kyle. Have we got? Maybe we need a mentor for Jack. Just to, for Jack Gill. This is to um to just show him how to look after the fans. He might do a little PR, a little bit of work there. We need a social media manager and just a racing manager. We'll get a full yep. team around him. But um, but kudos to Connor Hancock for the photo and for, for Jack Day, the the dedication to do something like that. And I think because obviously Jack's got the same first name as, as Jack Gill, I think when he went to pick it up from Officeworks, he said that the lady said to him, we've printed it, but it's it's – it's come out a bit blurry and Jack sort of had to say, oh, it's not me. I mean, that's not me. It's not me in the photo because she just saw the name Jack and Jack. So <laughs> assume that he just had a life-size picture of himself done up. Um, so that was certainly a highlight at the end of the day. And and more more of that kind of stuff needed, I think, in the amateur trial running world. That's good. Just I do. like that. That's very good. <laughs> so, yes, if you haven't seen that, have a look on uh, Brad Glover or it could be on Cherie Barnes's um, Instagram and have a look where that photo ended up. But yeah, Kyle, there's there's the Andina five O. Um, excellent event, you know, great location, challenging course. Um, and they've already announced I think the twenty fifth of March is the race for next year. Um, and some great merchandise and great great tokens to take away from that. But of course, Kyle, on the same day, just down the road, another brand new ultra, the Noosa Ultra, was actually on. And a few of our friends from North were in this one as well. Um Lots of it looked okay. As soon as I finished my race and then watched the 50Ks come in at Yandina, I thought, as poor guys who are in the 80 and the 100 at Noosa, it's hot. 
It's really yeah. hot. And I think that's what we saw a lot with the results, wasn't it? So um, anything, anything that you found out about the Noosa Ultra Kyle from, from chat groups or anything or photos, any, any information yeah, I think about the overall, day? overall, it was quite a warm one. Still some reasonable, reasonably runnable courses. And I think you can yeah. kind of see that from the results as well. Um, but yeah, some interesting things I saw on some people's runs, which I'll go through when we get to the longer distances, which I found interesting from a few runners. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like overall it was a good day. I just think I was just sitting there watching all these results and just going, I can't believe that there's about, if you look at all the different races and distances that are on today, everyone is so spread out. I just looked at all the results of everyone that won all these races and went, imagine if they all race each other in one race. Yeah. I was just sitting there like, oh, there's literally like 10 different races on today. Imagine if there was just one and everyone was at the same one. Yeah. How much better that would be. Like, or even just like a 50 and a hundred, like, and obviously these guys will sort these out and they'll be on different weekends, hopefully next year. Mm. Um, but yeah, so many different races. That was my one time to take. I was like, oh, I wish there was just, there was so many good runners, male and female racing each other in all of these different races. Imagine if we could get all of them onto the one start line. Like we've got so much depth in Southeast Queensland running at the moment. I just wish we could one day get everyone to these same races, yeah. but look like it was a great day regardless. I think both events sold out and, you know, Hmm. everyone yeah. looked like they enjoyed themselves. Definitely. Uh, and this is something I think we've talked a bit about just while we've been jogging is, is, is how a lot of ultra races now have multiple distances, whereas you might've gone back five, 10 years and, you know, there was only one sort of one distance, you know, like coastal high just had the 50, I guess is why that race became so popular and, and, and a great, great competitive day for the front end people for the top 20 was because there was no other option. It was just 50 and that was it. Um, and obviously trail running is about everyone, which is why we want those smaller, the shorter distances in. Um, but as well, I mean, there's, there's obviously a limit, isn't there? We, we want competitive racing at the front end as well. Um, so at Noosa, uh, there was a 15, a 25, a 30, a 50, an 80 and a hundred. And you're right. If you look at the times, even if you look at the, the 80K runners and say, well, if they could hold something close to that and, and put that through into the hundred, put those results together. And my goodness, that would be an extraordinary race. Um, that's exactly what I thought watching those two distances. I just, I, I didn't get the whole 80 and a hundred and then there's also mm. a 25 and a 30. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's all good. It's, this is why we're not race directors. Exactly. For this that's reason. right. Um, so Cole, I'll go through, uh, the 50. I'll just, I'll start with the 50 if that's okay. Rather than yeah, going down to go for the, it. Yeah, the smaller ones. Um, so the male, we had Daniel Bunin 401 quick time 50 K. I don't care how flat that is. That's a decent, a decent time on, on some sort of trail. Luke McKenzie then, who people know from his Ironman days, 4.12. And uh, Ando from the Salt Train. Ando comes in third. He's very happy with that. 4.24 for Anderson um, in third place. Now, Kyle, the female results. Mm. Um, I haven't actually seen a write-up of all this. I, I haven't seen anything. So these these results, these times are accurate as far as you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yep. They have absolutely flown. And ran through the field i think late on they were not up that high i don't think when i was kind of watching the splits come through extra um, so beth mckenzie wins it in 402 ella mccartney yeah. in 409 and anna mckenna in 411 so those times are incredible and so they've they've gone they've literally run if that's what you're saying they've run through the male field there and beth's almost run down daniel for the win so what that's outstanding and so exciting to see from a female point of view the, the strength of that top end of female racing um which as we said since we've been doing this podcast has been getting better and better and better um so yeah well done in the 50 so in the 80 um female carol robertson 858 now i think carol was actually at blackhall am i right in saying that 
Yeah, she came second to Helen Greenfield at Blackhall in 5.25. So she's won this one here in 8.58. Amy Edwards, 9.21. Carly Sylvester, 9.36 for third. Uh, then in the 80 kilometres, Tom Brimelow, uh, who we know quite well through north, 7.19, and then a monster of a victory. It's going to be described. Mark Goldelman in 8.44. So Tom's won that race by an hour and 25 minutes. So what's that? 85 minutes. So he's almost won it by a minute. Well, he has. He's won it by a minute. Yeah, that's a kilometer. Right. <laughs> that's Incredible. a nice, that's a, that's a nice way to round out. An well, it's got on the results here. He was 529 average. Mark was yep. 633. Jeez. And Trevor Allen in third in 928. Um, so yeah, comprehensive wins, I guess, probably for both Carol and for Tom in that one. Uh, it looked like a hot day. We've seen, seen photos of Tom come through each aid station. Um, and it looked very, very warm, didn't it? And Kyle, have you got the hundreds? Hundreds. This good One other thing I was again. just going to before we jump into the hundred as well. Beth McKenzie's time. She ran that in Alpha Flies, which makes me think that course has to be somewhat runnable compared to Yandina. If you're talking about Narang, and she has <laughs> run that in a pair of Alpha Flies, which makes me think it can't be too technical at Noosa. Surely, I'd be well, interested to hear from people who ran it because the, yeah. her shoes looked absolutely filthy by the end of it compared to how clean they were at the start. But okay, got through it in a pair of Alpha. That might be the secret. UTA hundred got one in. Vapor flies. Yep. Noosa 50 yep. Alpha flies. I'm, I'm going to keep a pair of my old Alpha flies. Next time I jump back onto a run like a glass house or something, a pair of Alpha flies. We'll see yeah. how it goes. Might, that might be well, the secret. Well, it gives you the ultimate excuse either way, doesn't it? Like if you don't have a good day, you can say, oh, I, just, uh, I chose the wrong shoes. Yeah, but wrong, win, wrong if you win it, then you can just say, look, made the great choice. Done. A, I know what I'm talking about. So it's a good excuse either way. Now, the 100K, Kyle, I, I believe... Was there a wrong turn early on from, from yes, the Yes, this is one of the other things I was going to talk about. I think the league group all took a wrong turn and did a couple yep. of extra Ks early. But I don't know. Have you gone through and looked at Ryan Crawford's run in any detail? No, not a huge amount. I've, I've, I've looked a little bit. Why? What's, what are you thinking? All I want you to go is, if you can find it, go have a look at his splits at the start. And you will see... I would have loved to have watched the start of this race. So if you go look at his first probably five kilometres, I reckon he has gone through 5K in about 19 minutes flat for the first 5K. His first splits were, he went 348, 352, 359, 353, 345, 354. They were absolutely motoring at the start of this 100K race. So I think it's 100K is about 2,500 metres of climbing and they have gone off under four-minute pace. Which is out. extremely quick. What's he? What's he in on, on Strava? Is he? Is he under Ryan Crawford or is he? Is no, he under the cameraman. The cameraman. Giving away, his, right, I've yeah. given away his identity here, but they have. Absol- I don't know how many went with him at the start. I can't imagine it was many. I'm hoping some of these guys realise that because I don't think Andy Day went with him, and he was one of the first ones not to miss the turn. From what I've seen. So Ryan said, didn't he? Super tough push today. Played catch up. Missed first couple of kilometers. No signs or people there yet. Um, so it, it looks like that that hill at sixty kilometers. I think that's is that Pomona? Is that like where they do the um, King and Queen of the Mountain? Because it looks big. It looks it's four hundred and I think it is. You know, I think it's four hundred and forty three meters of elevation there at that point. So I think they head out to Pomona way. So maybe that is where they do. They don't actually yeah, get up the mountain, though, I don't think. Yeah, okay. So what are you saying? So he went out super fast, did he? Um, well, if you so... look at his, I don't know, if you look at oh, his first geez. five, six Ks, <laughs> he has gone out very, that is a confident start to a trail 100K if I've ever seen one. 
isn't it? And look it at is. the heart rate there. One like, I think it was flat. I'm assuming it was flat looking at the elevation. They look like they're flat kilometers, those ones. But yeah, that is impressive. That is well, a- and you can. Oh, he has. So I think that that turnoff that he says he's missed because you give it look on his map there. It's an early. It's the second kilometer. So he runs three. That's probably why, you know, he runs. It looks like he's missed the turn at about one and a half K through the second kilometer. I might be wrong with that because then he goes out. Well, maybe it is. Then he goes out and comes straight back. And that's where he's that's where he's ripping in those 358, 356, 344. Yeah, it is, you know. I think that is exactly where it is. So if he's missed the turn that early, that's the reason why he's running those, you know, sub four minute kilometer paces there. I think literally to get back on course. Because if the you first look at it, it's 348 too. So they were hooking at the start regardless. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Impressive. That was my first note. I saw that and just went, oh my God, that is a that is a fast start to a trail 100K. So I think there must have been a group of them going yep. out quick. So, but yes. So I'll go through the give results. Us some results. First. Yeah. Um, so we'll go through the ladies. So uh, let's scroll down. So Simone Hayes was third. She ran 12 31 36. Then we had Jackie Bell. She was second in 11 47. First place was Roxanne. Okay, let me try and get this name right. Yep. That is Shada Masebi. How yep. have I done there, Tom? Brilliant. She Perfect. has won in 10.45.06, six over the line, um, and was six seconds behind fifth. So I don't know if they were together or not, but 10.45, trail 100K, reasonably hilly. Yep. There's an excellent, excellent run from Roxanne. And then uh, if we move across yeah, to, the, yeah, to the males, um, we had so Ryan Crawford, who we were just speaking about, he is on the results here as third. Now, yep. I'm assuming that when he wrote on his Strava that he cooked himself trying to catch up a third, that he has caught third and that these results are accurate because um, he was in there as third in 10.24 and he was a minute 27 behind Curtis Sterling, who was in second, and Andy Day, who, who we've spoken about plenty of times on the podcast, he took out the win in 9.48, which is absolutely flying. A hot, yeah, reasonably kind of still some good hills in this, trail 100K, sub 10. Yeah, it's an excellent run from Andy. Well, the the elevation on Ryan is saying two thousand four hundred seventy three. So, like, it's not massive, but it's enough to it's enough to yeah mess your day up if you get that wrong. So, um, yeah, quick time. We haven't spoken much about Andy, have we? In the last couple of months, he hasn't sort of popped up on any race results. So, it's good to see him in that. There's also some some names from the past. Kyle, would you say, or those names from the present from trail running that were were in the hundreds? I saw Sam Weir jumped in and and had a go yep. at the hundred. Um, so yeah, very, very well, um, supported race there up at Noosa and they had a wonderful sort of festival around it with, um, guest speakers and things like that. And it, it, the finishing area, I mean, it definitely had a, a triathlon cause obviously that's where I think the race directors are coming from a triathlon Ironman background. So it definitely had that precinct feel that a, that a, that a race has a bit like a Brisbane trail ultra where they finished in South Bank. So this one looked a little bit more, I guess, triathlon finish rather than, you know, what we had at Yandin, which was definitely a trail finish. Um, but yeah, as you said, Kyle, if, if they could somehow bring those 80 and hundred K runners together, you know, you put, I know. you put another 20 kilometers on the Tom's time and yes, he probably wouldn't have gone as fast through the first 80 if you're doing a hundred, but even so he slots beautifully into that top three somewhere, doesn't he there at that pace. And that'd, that'd be fa- fabulous. And even then Carol Robertson at, at 858, um, even if you, even if you add on two hours there, she comes in at 1058. So you'd, you'd probably argue that she'd be right in there. So, yeah, one uh, possibility there for the race directors for next year. Just force people Fingers to just go from 50 to 100. Um, now, Kyle, we are running pretty long here, 50-odd 50, 50 minutes already. So 
Um, yeah. Let's let's do a quick recap of SEQ series. So, um, yeah. as we said, they Daisy Hill is normally round eight. Yeah, round eight. So they moved that one forward. You and Maddock has now been rescheduled to next weekend, I think. But they they gave out the um, the finishing prizes for the the winners, and I haven't been able to find it anywhere. As we said, I'm pretty sure photos came through, but I can't find them anymore. So I'm assuming that Jack Gill won the long course. Murphy Rankin. Um, also won the long course, and I'd say Brian Wilder and Alana Dix would be the overall winners there. I think so. But, yeah. But the interesting one from Daisy Hill, Kyle, was um, was the female short course. You look at the names there: Robin Bennett, fifty nine twenty five. So she obviously raced very very well yesterday at Yandina. Um, Jody Cumner, another good performance in one hundred one, and then Tegan Porter, one hundred two, was in third place. And of course, Tegan then was second yesterday in the twenty one. So. Both Robin and Tegan have obviously used, you know, Daisy Hill, which is a slightly longer course on the SDQ series to um to lead up to to Yandina. And Brian wins the short course. Daniel Wright, Wright wins the long course at Daisy Hill. Uh, and Murphy Rankin. That Murphy Rankin, Aaron Robertson, um, although Murphy's kind of got a measure there by six minutes or so, that that'd be great to watch how that develops. We've we've seen Murphy is a very fast runner over the shorter distances. She's done well recently on the track. Um, that obviously plays a big part, Kyle. As you're a, you're a fan of getting your 5k time down in order to improve Absolutely. your long trail running. Um, so yeah, so I mean the SEQ series is always well supported. It always sells out, and yeah, we we look forward to how they're going to do next weekend at, at you and Maddox. It's a bit of a, a free fun run kind of festival. It doesn't really affect any points or anything, um, and it will all start again next or this October. Yeah, this October. It'll all start. We know it. But note from the goat. Kyle, um, uh, let's have a bit of a look here. So a few things have been happening. So the, the total GOAT loops at the moment, as it stands when I looked, was 6,876. Is that mm-hmm. what it still is? Yep. Yep, I've got that. That's up from 6,750. So, again, it's 120 a fortnight. This is coming in marvellously. <laughs> this is so good. Um, so I went back and had a look at predictions. So as I said, if, if you go on the 60-a-week concept, 120 a fortnight, It'll bring you in at the low 9,000. So the Tassie Wanderer, Emmett Matthews, he uh, has said 9,250. So he's in the ballpark. And yep. then I went back and saw mine was 9,027. So I think it's somewhere between Emmett and myself, um, unless you get together with a few mates and put in a couple of uh, a couple of Nirvanas or a couple of Farmer Loops, really bump that number up. Um, <laughs> no, I need to bump it down. Wasn't mine like 8,000 something? I need to go for oh, yeah. do not enter sign or start tearing up no. the trail. You need to. Yeah, close for refurbishment. That's sort of signs like that. Um, but anything, Kyle, that you've seen on the Goat Loop recently that, that's, that sparks your interest? Yeah, well, the big one that I kind of saw that happened yesterday was probably the, the big thing that I saw pop up was Sean Lyons's Goat Royale. We haven't yep. seen a Goat Royale for, for quite a while. I feel like it was kind of last the end of winter or when the end of the cooler months last year we were seeing quite a few of these pop up. So he's gone out and... And run, did you? I believe you said it was his second fastest Royale because he's now done. Is it three? Is that his third? Oh, third good, Royale. I'm good, pretty sure he's done good three of them now. I'm sure he'd done two prior to that. I'll have to well, check that stat. I love it what he's called it. He said Royale brackets no cheese. So I'm not sure if that's in reference to um, to Pulp Fiction that movie or whether that's as in didn't get his PB because that's his second fastest time on the Goat Royale. So he ran a 10:46, um, but of course. There's, there's obviously almost no local legend on the Royale because barely anyone does it. Um, so I'm not too sure how many times Sean's done it there. But 
that's an impressive performance, isn't it? To run 10 hours in this very kind impressive. of heat. Um, so, Kyle, I, I, I mentioned at the very start, we, we now go into April in Narang, and this is where things start to cool off a bit. And I said, if you if you like the Beast of Narang analogy, the mythical Beast, beast of Narang, this is kind of where the Beast of Narang starts to go to bed. They're, they're putting themselves away for the winter months. So it's if you're thinking of some kind of a um, a task, some kind of individual, you know, Narang challenge that you want to set yourself, now is the time for preparation. I know I'm, I'm planning one. I'm keeping it very, very closely uh, under wraps. But I've, I'm, I'm planning something. I don't know how I'll go with it. Um, but you've got to wait for the Beast of Narang to seriously put yourself to bed. Um, so let's just have a bit of a look. If you're looking at the Royale now, it's only been done by nine people. Uh, the Royale. Yes. It's, cert- it's certainly one that should interest people over these winter months if, if you're looking for a challenge. Brad Ed currently has the crown at 8.34, then Sean Lyons at 9.07, Matt Burt at 9.12, Ben Denis 9.45. So there's four people who've gone under five, under 10 hours. Maddie McIntyre then in 10.28, Eve Leneau in 12.15. So there's the female crown, and the only female to do that is Eve. David Buse, um, 12.25, Vince Stefanak, 12.40, and Connor Hancock in 12.47. I think that was the night of that impressive storm. I think Connor's the only one to actually do it in the middle of the night. I could be wrong with that. but um, So there's only nine people that have done it. And if you're looking at Brad's time and thinking, how do I beat that? It's not. It's 7.09 per kilometre. So it's decent. It's certainly decent. It's certainly one where you're going to have to prepare for it. Um, so there's, there'll be lots of people who will be planning winter attacks on, on, um, on Narang and the goat loop because we haven't had much happening, obviously, and there has been very little movement there. Uh, local legend at the moment, Kyle, would you care to, to, to take a guess who the local legend is? For the goat loop? For the goat loop, yep, the, the single loop. Uh, is it Brad? It's Brad Glover, yep. So what do you reckon yes, he's done in, in 90 days? How many? I reckon he's done... Oh. 52. Yeah, as, as much as I'm good at picking marathon times, when I put these things to you, you're exceptionally close to the mark always. 50, <laughs> 53 in 90 days. Oh, so another, another good prediction. Um, only thing I saw on there as well, Kyle, was um, we had, if you look at the results from this month, we've had a father-son combination, a name that I haven't seen pop up on the goat loop. Uh, Riley Grimer and Rob Grimer came in at 34 minutes. So again, if you know if you know what the goat loop looks like at the moment, and you feel the heat of the goat loop, that's an impressive time to go out and do 34 minutes uh, on a rocky terrain. You don't even get value when you're coming down Last Hilda Gate anymore. There's nothing there. But it looks like Rob was coming down. The father was coming down there at about 3:35, 3:40 pace. So um, they could have a couple of sub 30 characters there in the future. Um, but that's about it, Kyle, for, for the goat loop. Um, anything from yourself there? Is there plans? A post? Let's talk post-Canberra. Is there any Is there any plans to head back into the trails of any sort? Um, yeah, I think so. I think uh, obviously there's talk around Kokoda for July, so I think I'll probably have to do some trails before that. I didn't last year, so I should probably do at least a couple this year. Um, yeah, I think so because I don't really know what I'm going to be doing. I don't have anything locked yep. in this stage. Um, for those next month or two after after Canberra, so yep. who knows? Could be anything. Could yep. be anything. Okay. That's also, could be, so, nothing. could be nothing. <laughs> um, so, what have we got races coming up in the next couple of weeks? So, Canberra Marathon two weeks. That's obviously top of the list. Um, uh, but other things happening. We have got Pinnacles, which is always a very hilly race that people 
always speak very fondly of in a negative way after the race. They're surprised. It's always interesting on Strava when people say, I didn't realize there's so many hills in it. And you're kind of like, well, that's the race, isn't it? There's a ridiculous number of hills. Have you done that's Pinnacles? Right. We know it. I haven't done Pinnacles. Again, yeah. it's one of those ones that's been around for so long since before I started doing all this stuff. And yeah, it's one of those I need to just get up there and do at some point. Yep. Dead Cow Gully is on in a couple of weeks' time as well. Um, our good friend Travis Island, he ran from the Gold Coast up over the Gateway Bridge to northern Brisbane uh, on Friday as we're all heading up to Yandina. So I think he did 80-odd kilometres um, in the heat, which is which is a extraordinary performance. So Dead Cow Gully is shaping up um, to be an incredible event. I was actually hoping to get out there, Kyle, until I put the directions into Google. And then I thought, I'll probably just watch this happen online because I think it's about three hours away. <laughs> I thought it was a lot yes. closer. I think um, and the only other thing that I think to mention, Kyle, that's happening soon is um, Ando sort of sent me a message a couple of weeks ago about um, an informal time trial that he wants to happen on the first Saturday in the lead up to the Gold Coast Marathon. He said for those who are pushing the faster end of 5K time trials, um, his idea was on the first Saturday of every month, so April, May, June, um, was to head down to the car park at the north end of the spit road and meet there at 5 a.m. on a Saturday for a 5.30 um, time trial over about five kilometres. So I guess if you want more information on that, just send Ando a message um, or any of the guys from the Salt Train. I think they're, they're sort of informally organising it. So that should be good fun if you want to head out there on a Saturday, if you want a really flat course. We've done a few time trials there in the past, Kyle. It's always a good a good course as long as you don't get too windy day. Of course, it has to be um, there and back, doesn't it, for, um, for full Strava kudos? Well, look, it doesn't, but... It'll definitely get talked about. <laughs> definitely get talked about if it's not. Yeah. So give us a bit of an overview, Kyle, of, of the next two weeks for you. Is it definitely bubble wrap and cotton wool at the moment? Uh, yeah, I'll still kind of keep continue running. I've never been someone that does massive tapers. I kind of always feel like I run better when I'm running more consistently. So we'll do a little session uh, this Tuesday, nothing too hard. We'll yep. do uh, kind of probably a bit of a threshold run Friday. We'll probably do somewhere between 18 to 20 Ks next weekend and then just a little taper session next Tuesday, Tuesday week. Yep. And then just a couple of jogs and um, I'm flying down on the Friday and racing on the Sunday. So all the big stuff's kind of done now. So just a couple of short, sharp little sessions to keep the legs ticking over, a few runs. And yep. like I said, I'm not doing anything silly now, resting up, getting body feeling fresh and ready to go. So what do you, what do, you do the day before a marathon or a big race of any sort of race? I generally it depends where we're going i'll i'll probably go for a little jog uh on the saturday i'll probably try and sleep in my big thing is i'll get a good night's sleep on the friday night before the sunday race i'll have a good sleep sleep in saturday morning i'll get up probably go have something to eat go for a little 5k jog or something just to shake the legs out i think we've got yep. the expo and then other than that it'll be resting up putting my feet up as much as i can get some dinner and get to bed early try and get a good night's sleep yep have you got any um uh, like pre-race disasters from your racing career where you've missed a flight or you've, you know, you turn up and the hotel's not booked in your name or uh, you didn't oh, get to the had any, get to the... Oh, I'm trying to think with these ones. What have I... I don't think I've had any too many disasters. I think I've had a few times where I just haven't planned it well at all yeah. and it's just not been an ideal lead-up or preparation to get to these races and getting in last minute. But most of the time I'm reasonably organised. I'm trying to think if there's been any that I've been terribly organised for. I think most of them I'm reasonably organised, but just somewhere it just has not been the ideal lead up to yep. events with flights and travel and whatnot. But yep. that is what it is. But normally, normally I'm pretty good. I'm reasonably organised. 
Was it was it PSC last year who turned up at UTA and forgot to take his his um, hydration bottles? I think it was him, wasn't it? I think that. I, I, I think I'm pretty sure Zach forgot his headlamp, didn't he? Were you running yeah. with him when he ran off yeah. into the had to go back into his dorm and <laughs> yeah. grab his headlamp out of his bag mid race? Yeah, yeah. Those types so. of things. Normally, I'm pretty good. That's look. That's the best thing about the road races is you don't have to carry much. You just got to have your shoes, your watch, and whatever nutrition you want, and yeah. off you go. So, no, so yeah, so nutrition. Have, have have you found out from Canberra whether you can have water bottles on the, the yeah, table? Yeah. So this is the thing: you can, and yep. I'm pretty sure I'll have to recheck the message, but I'm pretty sure the tables that we're allowed to put drinks at is like five kilometers or four kilometers, nine kilometers, twenty five kilometers, thirty eight kilometers, and forty kilometers. Wow. So it's an interesting it's an interesting split of tables where we can put our personal drinks. Obviously, there's heaps yep. of tables in between. Yep. They've the ones they're the ones they've selected for people to be able to put their personal drinks so yeah. i'm gonna to have to half rely on those drinks half rely on probably carrying a little bit of stuff myself at this stage which is not and ideal but that's all right the actual course i haven't looked at the course um and i don't know how similar it is to when i did it five years ago but do you get do you get to run past start finish do you get to come back past where caitlin would be a few times or is it oh, you, near it but don't not see not right. right past the finish no so you can't re- you can't rely on family for for extra stuff as well. i don't think so i don't and i'm probably going to try not to just because you know you can plan all that out but then things tend yep. to go wrong when you try and plan these little intricate someone to meet somewhere at a certain time yep. um so i'll probably just i'll put some bottles out for those ones i'll probably have a flat i'll wear my belt and probably just take a bottle with a quite condensed powder calories in it and a gel or two just in case um and yeah hope that i get my bottles if not i'll have something spare on me just worst case scenario but Hopefully it all goes to plan. All right. So we did this last year for the Gold Coast and we never actually eventually got to, to see the results. But um, so talk me through who's in what event and I'm going to write down my predictions here uh, and then right. I'll reveal them in two weeks. So you're in the marathon. Luke's in the marathon. Luke's in the marathon. Costa's in the marathon. Marty's in the marathon. Tanil's coming down. She's doing the half. I think that's yeah. it. I think there's the five of us. Four in the marathon. Tanil's doing the half, as far as I know. But there's the four of us in the marathon. Oh, I'll tell you what. So Tanil's in the half. So I feel like I'm good with yours, Luke's, Marty's, and Tanil's. Costa, this is. Oh, he this could be a... anywhere. He could have an absolute blinder. You just where would you put him? I reckon you could put him anywhere within a quite a wide range because I don't even think he knows exactly what pace he's going to run yet. So who knows? So this will be the hardest he... one to predict. Has he done well with the, on the longer runs with you guys? Is he? Is he? Yeah, the last few he's running very, very well. Because that was always the thing with him, wasn't it? When we were talking beforehand about, obviously the speed is there, but whether he just has the legs in that last, you know. Well, he did thirty six k's with us the other day and finished very strong. So even the time I've got written down from here, it looks quick. It looks very quick for for a first time marathoner, but. But this he is the thing, it. isn't it? If this is the thing, he doesn't know what he doesn't know, does he? Like he has no idea. Yeah. So, and that can be the greatest weapon that you have is that you. He might not even hit the wall. You know, I've heard people in their first marathon go, "It just didn't come. The wall just didn't arrive." So, It'll um, be we've also got so Ty Bailey, who ran the half marathon time trial with oh, us yeah. last year, where he, he came on that long run with us. He's coming down as well. So that's another one you can add to the. What did he do for his half marathon time trial? Oh, one fifteen. But I think he's run two thirty. Eight or two thirty sevens, his PB. Um, so I think he's looking for a PB. Right. Okay. I'll put that in. So I'm gonna. Uh, no, I'm not. I was gonna say I'll send you them all except yours, but I, I'm I'm gonna keep it completely hushed because, um, yeah, Costa's the one. I, I'd be disappointed if I didn't hit the other four within a minute. But Costa's, I could be, I could be five minutes either side of this here. And Ty, obviously, I don't know, but yeah, Costa's will be the fascinating one. So yeah, 
You should do this. Have you written down your times for the for all of yours as well? No, I haven't. That should, that should be a thing. That should be a thing this week. See who see who can predict it the closest. All right, mate. That's uh, that's a, a big big episode with lots of ultras there. I guess there's now a bit of a lull before the next big ultra that comes around. Off the top of my head, what would it be? We've got Wild Horse Criterium coming up, but it's probably probably UT. Oh, the Brisbane you... Trail Marathon is on the first. Yep. UT will be the next really big one, though. I think I don't think it's yep. too much before then. Not too and far course, away from it. In chatting to people who are going down there, there's the feeling is that it'll be on, but it will be a different course, uh, yep. which makes it a very different experience. Yeah, positive yep. and negatively. So, yep. All right, mate. Well, from everyone on the podcast, uh, we won't speak to you again before that. So, best of luck. Yeah, training is there. Talk to me in Canberra next time you hear from me. Hopefully, I'm I'll be freezing, but very happy in, in yeah. Canberra, or very disappointed. It'll be a very sad episode if not. But but you but just on that, you said the other day, didn't you? That even if you run as hard as you possibly can and you slightly miss, you know, you know, you're in that form. You know, you're in yeah, that's sub right. two thirty. It's just whether it comes together on the day. So yeah, that's it. Um, Go down, give yep. them my best, and if it happens, it happens. If not, move on to the next one. But no, looking okay. forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, buddy. <laughs> Take, see you later. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.